Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your co-host, Grant Galliard. have alongside with me uh, my friend, my co-host, Parker Fleming. Parker, how goes it in uh, mountain time? Man, it's uh, it's so nice. I watched all of TCU and, well, I watched all of TCU that mattered. And then I took a melatonin and I was in bed by like nine last night. It was wonderful. So by all of TCU that mattered, you mean the first, what, quarter? Three drives. Three drives, okay. Uh, yeah. First three drives. Because yeah. it, it was amazing. Uh, well, well, we'll get into yeah, it. We'll yeah, get yeah, into yeah. it. We'll do the uh, later, but yeah. How are how are you? How are things in uh, in Central Time down in the down in the dirty Bay City? Oh man, they're going great. Um, you know, I tried to I, I smoked a pork butt for the second time yesterday, and it didn't turn out as good as the first. I think I needed more time out the smoker, but lessons learned, and we'll do better the next time. Yeah, um, you know, you you can't win them all, and uh, it's still. Uh, in the words of my dad, it's called fishing, not catching. Uh, and that, that applies here as well. Yeah, but I hate fishing. Uh, yeah, I so. actually did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did some uh, burnt ends on the grill. And right at the very end of them, I ran out of propane. Oh, no. And so I decided to let my tri-tip that I did a coffee rub on marinate over the weekend. And I'm going to put it in at like 5 a.m. tomorrow morning and eat Ooh. really well tomorrow night. Okay. So pretty excited I about love that. that. Uh, have you ever smoked tri-tip? It's delicious. Yes. So actually my hope is to do a combo of, I'm going to try and, uh, I'm going to try and do seven hours in the sous vide and then smoke it till it's done. Man, I love that. I love that. Because the sous vide, man, is just a hell of a motor vehicle. Let me tell you. I got it for Christmas two years ago and it's probably the most functional gift I've ever received. Um, Oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, this is the (laughs) purple tasting podcast with Grant and Parker, but Parker, uh, off season we need to do uh, off season we need to do a sous vide podcast. We'll, we'll oh get listeners God. in here; it'll be great. Yeah. Well, and speaking about long, drawn out processes here, like the sous vide, let's talk about the TCU coaching search. How's that for a transition, Parker? That's what we, that's what we <laughs> uh, professionals do in the business. Uh, Parker, it would seem that we may have anointed a king too quickly. Um. Well, you know, uh, it, it appears that maybe someone had. Uh, in, in the same vein as Napoleon Bonaparte had uh, crowned himself uh, a king, maybe maybe when he didn't have the right to do so. Um, yeah, so again, Sonny Dykes' family was telling people they were moving back to Fort Worth, was telling people they had the job. It does, uh, it does not appear that they have the job. Um, mostly because I think that TCU didn't realize how much interest this job would uh, generate. Nationally. Yeah, which I think is a good thing, obviously. I mean, um, you're taking over a program that had a lot of stability up until the very end and uh, is a Power 5 program in a, in a sea of shifting landscapes and is in the middle of one of the best talent bases in the country. So it, it makes sense that, you know, not Nick Saban, but certain good coaches would look to TCU to kind of, you know, take the next step in their coaching career. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I think that there's some interesting names that are still kind of being thrown around. We've talked about a lot of them. Um, I, I've heard that uh, Billy Napier really, really impressed TCU. And uh, I think TCU thought Billy Napier wouldn't be interested in the job. So that's been kind of surprising. Yeah. Napier was a guy you would kind of peg for, you know, we didn't know these jobs would come open, but jobs like LSU or Florida, um, you know, kind of premier programs in the South. And um, if he wants to coach for TCU, I, I don't know about you, Parker. I, I would certainly welcome him with open arms. That'd be a, um, I think that'd be excellent. I think that'd be amazing hire. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, 
there's stuff to think about too. Like, you know, in season concerns is, is TC going to be able to engage someone that's, that's in high demand before, like, I mean, Virginia tech is going to open too. Florida hasn't actually opened, but after Thanksgiving, it's probably going to open. Um, LSU of course is working through things. So like, I, I mean, it's the Napier thing would be super cool, but he's in high demand. I don't know, yeah. man. That's kind of interesting. Um, was he, what else? Uh, because he, he oh, was my number one. I think I said this, but rapid reaction after Gary left was Napier was my number one. Was he yours? Um, I don't know that I ordered them. I just knew I didn't want Sonny Dykes. Yeah. I very strongly didn't want Sonny Dykes. <laughs> and I had almost talked myself into Sonny Dykes by the time he had talked himself out of the job or whoever it happened. But, uh, <laughs> this is forever funny to me. Like, if this works out where TCU led Sonny Dykes along and just absolutely torched his relationship with SMU and he doesn't the head coach of TCU, like... I would feel I would feel worse making fun of this if he wasn't like a multimillionaire getting paid to coach football. Right, and like, by all accounts, a it, nice you know, guy, but, but sure, yeah, yeah. And so, sure, it's kind of shitty, but it's pretty funny yeah, as well. It is. Um, are, are there other coaching candidates? Because there's been a lot of names thrown out, um, a lot of smoke. Are there any other names that TCU you think might be kind of leaning to or looking towards? Um, Deion Sanders is getting a lot of run, but but. From what I understand, that's just more of chatter among like, hey, wouldn't it be weird if he coached for TCU than it is actually, oh, TCU might hire Deion Sanders. Uh, yeah, I really don't think that's serious. Um, also, can I just address something? Yeah. Zach Evans, you can get a vote on the head coaches when you can play again. When you can play a full game as the running back taking the load, uh, you can get a vote on the I'm not going to comment. But that's I'm my rule. Gonna, I'm not going to comment. <laughs> I, I don't think he plays for TCU next year, so I'm not. No, I'm saying, yeah, yeah. If you're not, uh, I, I don't know that you're the person that's going to be uh, in if charge you of promise our. Promise to return next year. You get one vote on the search committee. I'll give it to you right now. <laughs> but so, let's yeah. sign in, um, and then we'll let you pick Dion. I don't think I don't think Prime is real. I think that um, I, I think that Matt Campbell did talk to TCU. I think that Matt Campbell realizes that he is losing a lot. Yeah. And that what he year. has might and not I be think, as good as what he thought it was either. Yeah. And I, I think that the shine is off that. Uh, obviously, Campbell, there's a lot bigger jobs. But then again, if you... Ah, man, who are we doing this? We're doing this. If you look at Matt Campbell, his biggest accomplishment is winning a bunch of one-score games in the COVID year when everyone else was asked. Everyone else. And everyone else was starting a new quarterback. Was bad. Too. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And I do think that uh, – now, I still think Matt Campbell's a good coach. He wouldn't be my pick for TCU, yeah. but I do think he's a good coach. I, I, I don't – I think he's more of a, a, a Midwesterner. Um, I don't really necessarily care about – Well, can I, can I take that one, one further? Sure. I don't think he's just a geographical Midwesterner. I think that he doesn't want to play ball – in recruiting. Yeah. And I think that's totally fine. And um, so I don't want, I want to play, I would like to play ball. I would yeah. like TCU to play ball. So <laughs> I, I hate recruiting. Um, when I was a journalist, yeah. it was my least favorite thing to cover. I hated it. It was consistently scummy, but um, Campbell's a good coach. I, I, I don't put a lot of stock into, into region. I think if, you know, if you're a good coach, it'll translate. Nick Saban went from Michigan state to Alabama and it worked pretty well. Um, not to use him as the only example, but still, but I, I just don't know how, how well Campbell would fit at TCU. And I, I think he, you know, I'm trying to think of Big Ten jobs that might open, but 
um, I, I think could be a better fit there. But outside of yeah, I, I yeah, agree. I, I'm, um, I'm just trying to think of any other coordinators or you know random people that TCU might be interested in. Um, I, I'm I'm with you 100 on Bill Benball. I think it'd be a great fit. But from what I understand, that's probably they haven't really talked to him. Yeah, that just doesn't seem like somebody that's on their radar. Um, can I? Okay, so you know what you know what I like to do, right? You know I like to go like worst common denominator. Like, what's the worst thing I could do? Sure. So I'm gonna give you. You already said that. You, you suggested they should ask for Derek Mason. You already gave me the worst idea. Okay. Okay. No, no. You, you, my friend, <laughs> vastly underestimate me. All right, I've got three, and I'm just gonna say them and let you respond. Okay. Maybe an increasing order of terribleness. Okay. I don't know. Kevin Sumlin. No. No. <laughs> um, okay, actually, not it's it's it gets better as we go. Okay. Not in I, I said increasing order of terribleness, but we're gonna actually talk about this one. I hope you're ready. Are you sitting down? I'm laying down. Yeah, go ahead. Will Muschamp needs to No. No, 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 no. That that no. <laughs> That might can be I worse. say something bad? That, can I? That, that might be no, worse than no. Something. You could do so much worse than Will Muschamp. Here's what I'm saying: on the field, yes, someone I think is at least a cool guy. I don't want Will Muschamp. Yeah, oh, well, Muschamp is the guy. Program. Muschamp is the guy that. Um, Muschamp is the guy that you hire if Gary was like, okay, all right, coaching is fun. I'm tired. I'm going to leave. And you liked everything that was going on with Gary's program. Muschamp is not the, uh, this went poorly and we need to figure out right. our lives. And and, do and I don't know if you've heard this podcast before, but we are not fans of what was going on at the end of Gary's tenure. No, 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 no. no. I think, uh, I think I would, I would not want to hire Muschamp. Okay. Uh, this is too much coaching talk. So I'm going to give you my last one. I said it before. I'll say it again. I don't know why you don't call Matt Luke. I, where is he now? I think he wants an ACC job and will get an ACC job. I'd call him. Where is Matt Luke now? Uh, I think he's a O-line coach at Georgia. Okay. He would be the least terrible of the three, but I don't think he'd do a good job. I think so. I think he'd do a fine job. He would help the offensive line, I suppose. It can't get worse. All we are saying is give Matt Luke a chance. No, 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 no. He brings some of his SEC friends. You, you, the Purple Theory podcast official position is that TCU should hire Matt Luke and bring in Kendall Bryles as the offensive Oh, (laughs) you do not get to use the royal we on this podcast, let me tell you. Um, We just lost all of our our listeners. You lost me. I'm logging off. This is the end of the Purple Theory podcast. Do you have any other coaching thoughts before we have to talk about this god-awful mess of a game? No, just that – I understand why it's taking so long, and I understand that a lot of the coaches that TCU wants to hire are active coaches at other programs. and Which is a good thing. Sure. And so I, I, I get the fact that it's going to be drawn out, and I get that um, we're not going to get an announcement until, you know, after conference championship week, I would imagine. Um, I, I just want TCU to have a candidate in mind, a prime candidate. Shouldn't have said that because I don't want Coach Prime. Uh, and, and, you know, Nail the details down so that on December 3rd, whatever that Monday is, they can say, hey, here's our new head coach. Um, and they need to secure that before Florida fires Dan Mullen and Washington just fired their head coach, uh, Jimmy Lake. Um, we are a medium fish in a big pond. We need to act before the big fish get there. Um, even if not officially, at least unofficially. So that's the only thing I have to say. Yes, 
I, I think that what we have to talk about is early signing day is probably washed. And so yeah. that means this becomes a year zero situation, which is not fun. But no, um, I mean, if they announce somebody like in the next week, then we're like, okay, maybe we, yeah. maybe we can salvage this class and have a year one. But we'll, if they can't get somebody in here to do anything for signing day, it's year zero. Man. We'll get to that because we have a, a couple really good listener uh, submissions. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, sweet. Um, I, I suppose Parker, the only thing I might want to talk about less than coaching searches is the TCU Oklahoma State game. But because this is a TCU podcast, I suppose we uh, we are bound by civic duty to report upon a 63-17 to 17 ass-whipping at the hands of the Oklahoma State Cowboys in Stillwater, a game that was never close. Um, it was death by a thousand out routes and seven-yard runs, and just just a total failure on a lot of ends. Yes. Yes, it was. And I think it's um, interesting because it was almost at the beginning kind of an inverse, almost like when it was seven to three after two or three possessions each, two possessions each, mm-hmm. it was seven to three, I think yep. at one point. And it was like Oklahoma State was moving the ball well. They had a stupid turnover uh, and that made it be like a one score game last year. Remember TCU moving the ball well, and they went down actually 13 to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. they did uh, Cause of the Evans fumble. that wasn't actually a fumble. Mm-hmm. And, and then they, they roared back in the second half. This felt a little bit at the beginning like that, where it's like, Oh man, I think Oklahoma state is vastly outplaying TCU. And, uh, one TCU got away with a lineman downfield, because if you go back and look at the Dom Denuso catch, oh, yeah. Coy McMillan is standing right there <laughs> next to him. Um, and, and, and that was a great play. And he had stiff arm, yeah. you know, shout out to shout out to the news, but um, one big play and TCU got in field goal range. And then outside of that, I mean, TCU had absolutely nothing. Jim Knowles knew a hundred percent what was going on. He was a hundred percent prepared. He said, you're not getting the ball to Quentin Johnston downfield. Uh, Quentin Johnston had, one target or two targets? No, he had four targets. He only caught two of them. He had negative four yards total. His A dot grant was his A dot was negative or well, twelve point five. It's not yards, it's not yeah, 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 targeted. Yeah. Um, it's not catches. But yeah, so I mean they couldn't get him the ball at all. He had basically one long target. Um which he could have they, uh, they he said tried to Chandler one hand is, again. I thought he got interfered. We don't have to go into that. I thought he got interfered with, but that's not. He was definitely uh, otherwise occupied. Yes. That wasn't as egregious as the West Virginia one. No, but, but it was funny to see people try and defend Chandler Morris and be like, yeah, the wide receivers aren't doing stuff. The line's not giving him time. Huh. And you're like, yeah, man, I know. Right. It sucks. It's terrible. Um, I'm fine. But like if Chandler Morris is awesome, great, let's do it. But it's, it doesn't matter. Um, Chandler, Chandler, so, so sorry, I'm all over the place. You're not going to Quentin Johnson the ball. And uh, your Chandler Morris is not running, and Chandler had zero scramble runs. Yeah, none. Yeah. Um, they they absolutely said that's not happening. You're not getting away. Chandler is tiny, and he did that thing where he got hit, and then he threw the ball out of bounds as he was falling yeah. down, uh, and and kind of fumbled, which made me very nervous. But I mean, just immediately said, "Yep, you're gonna have to beat us rushing," and TCU cannot do that, especially without their um best uh best two running rushers. backs. Yeah, yeah. Um. Maybe even best three I know, as Foster was playing. I know. Um, Although shout out to Monty Watkins who got that big, yeah, big play. Like, absolutely, that's cool. that was cool. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I feel bad harping on the offense because the defense gave up uh, sixty three points. But oh, we'll get. I there. know, but and I tweeted this yesterday, so I hate to, to to reheat a take, but it really was one of those things where if I mean Oklahoma State's so solid on the back end that they can tank out QJ 
leave TCU with pretty much no other downfield options. And then if you want to run drag routes or, you know, short in, short outs, their linebackers just snuff them out. And even if you complete the pass, they're not yeah. going anywhere. You're not getting a, you're not getting away from them. Um, and the safeties come up and, and, and take a, a big part of that role too, Colby Harville, Peel, and company. So there, there just weren't any options in the passing game. I think Oklahoma State knew TCU was not going to be able to run the ball. So what the hell? I, I mean, it, it was kind of a yeah. give up from the start. And that they said, well, we're just going to try to take short, easy passes. And even those weren't working. And once that went away, there was no backup plan. I, I will say, and sorry for monologuing, there is something freeing about knowing that, hey, these games, like I, I want TCU to win, you know, especially for the players. It, they don't matter. This is this is not a regime that's going to stick around. Um, these are three just sort of experimental, whatever the hell happens, happens games. And hopefully maybe we'll find some talent that we didn't know was there. But it's a complete crapshoot. And each game should be treated as an individual entity in and of itself moving forward yeah which i mean i think we kind of said like yeah we kind of just said i mean it's not like you know there wasn't one monocausal variable like chad glasgow calling plays or or chandler morris playing quarterback that oh tcu would have been amazing this right. entire time like tcu should be better than they are but there are some serious flaws yep. here and and guys aren't looking great um what well, one thing i really did notice if we want to flip to the defense yeah it let's, was just let's, bad let's. and it was expected um grant Oklahoma State's top three targeted guys, Presley, Martin, and Blaine too, Green. Go ahead. Yeah. Right? Okay. Presley only had 3.7 yards after reception. Mm-hmm. Tay Martin, only twenty, uh, only 2.8. Blaine Green had 22.3 yards after catch per reception. John Paul Richardson had broke off for 15. Jalen Warren had one for 12. They didn't have to go downfield yep. because TC, because Oklahoma State could just toss the ball to somebody and they would pop off for whatever yards. Yeah. Like Blaine Green the, the, and, and yeah. No, I was Blaine Green had twenty two point three yards after reception on an eight out of four point three. And that's on three catches. And they just didn't have to do anything. No. Yep. And, and the thing about it is too, Parker, I mean the eight dots are pretty low across the board with the exception of Bryson Green. Um he was only targeted twice. But you look at the first downs gained by these receivers. Two two one one three two, and that's on seventeen passes. So, eleven of the seventeen passes went for first downs, and these were not deep downfield passes. They were, hey, we're going to get nine yards on this pass, and then we're just going to continue to gash you on the ground. And they railed it off to perfection. Yep. Honestly, it was a merciless game plan. There was no, it wasn't explosive. It was just we're just going to continue to move the ball. Yep, uh, absolutely. And and honestly, the passing game was just ancillary to the rush. Sure. Game. I mean, the rush game. One shout out to Jaden Nixon who had twenty three yards per attempt on three snaps. Is that good? Um, but two uh, two hundred yard rushers again. TCU allows Dominic Richardson on fourteen snaps had ten yards per attempt uh, on thirteen snaps rather, and Jalen Warren on seventeen had a hundred and thirteen. Des Jackson hopped in uh, for for almost seventy as well. So you gave up uh, seventy yards or more to four rushers. And Spencer Sanders got 52 yards with his legs. Just the abysmal rush defense that we had forgotten about, that we thought, ah, maybe maybe it was an early season fluke. Maybe it's gone away. No, no, it just turns out Baylor was dumb and should have run the ball more. And because they didn't, they lost. Yeah, Oklahoma State had 446 yards on the ground and eight touchdowns. Uh, it, it, There's your game. Yeah. 
Jeez, man. And and that's um, I mean, I'm trying to find what was the average eight point one yards per attempt on fifty five attempts. I'm not saying anything groundbreaking here. I have no analysis other than holy hell, what a terrible rush defense TCU threw out there on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and, it, and it's and it's as bad as it's been all season. Yep. Nothing yep. has improved. No, it, hasn't. Um, it is. Yep. Uh, no, no. And growth. so that is just uh, super not fun. It's super not fun. And I mean, they weren't tackling well. You know, even if they did, especially in the early early quarters, it was like, okay, well, you know, Oklahoma State's. You know, the first contacts made it, you know, five yards or whatever, but they're getting eight yards a, a run. Uh, I'll, I'll go look and see what the yards after contact was for the running backs. But they, it was just, I don't, I don't know. It's very frustrating. And the more I talk about it, the angrier I get and the less coherent I talk. But th- there was no. Well, it's crazy because like last night I was just resigned to like TC was not going to compete. in this Oh, game. yeah. I tried to do the fan thing and get excited. And I just could I just couldn't. So yeah, wasn't in my heart. Uh, Oklahoma you know? State averaged 5.47 yards after contact. They had 301 yards after contact. Do you have missed tackles? Uh, I can get in like 10 seconds. It, it was just, it, it felt like there was a missed tackle on every single play, man. Uh, missed tackles forced. Yeah. Uh, I had that. It was, uh, let's see. Um, it says eight, but I call BS. Um, I, I guess missed tackles forced doesn't take into account dragging a defender for five yards and then eventually going down. Um, yeah, just just not good. I'm, I'm looking right now. Yeah, um, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six TCU players that had at least uh, seventy snaps, or sorry, at least uh, thirty snaps had a tackle grade of under forty. Jeez, dude. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I mean, they just got they just got beat. Oklahoma State's very good. They just got yeah. beat, and we knew they were going to get beat. Um, I didn't think they would get beat this bad, but, but to be fair, Gundy did not take his foot off the gas and I, I get that. I don't blame him. You know, one of the running backs, um, one of, one of the running backs was one style points matter. They have one loss and they're still theoretically in, in the game for the playoff. So I get that. I don't begrudge him that Two, One of the running backs is the guy that TCU booted for Zach Evans. And so I understand Gundy wanting to do it. Like that's a huge player move. Totally get that. So um, don't, don't have any qualms with this. Like just knew it was going to happen. Knew it was going to be bad while it was happening was just like, yep, this is washing over me and it's happening. Um, I think the only other point I really want to make here, cause I, I, I mean, honestly, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm not wasting my time nope. breaking down no, scheme no, no. on this game. There's, there's no purpose after the first three drives. Um, can I read you a stat line and then have you tell me which TCU game is this from this year? Okay. Uh, quarterback was pressured on 32.8% of dropbacks, sacked four times, had no scramble yards, uh, completed one of seven passes, 10 yards downfield, uh, 10 or more yards down downfield, had a 65% adjusted completion percentage on a 7.1 average depth of target and had two drops. That, that could be, that could be literally any game. game this year at all. Like literally grab bag, just pick one that that's it. I mean, just, uh, just frustrating. Like there are just systematic issues here, and Oklahoma State's defense was disciplined enough and good enough to um, expose them to stop it. I yeah. mean, Jim Knowles knew what was up. Yeah, yeah. Parker, can I talk about something happier? I think I man, if you're going where I think we're going, absolutely, let's do so it. So the Purple Theory Podcast does not like to go for the low hanging fruit. We like to think we go one branch higher on the tree. But Parker, Kansas beat Texas 57 to 56 in football in Austin. Yes. 
Um, one of the most, I watched all of the second half of this game. I will be completely honest with you listeners. I turned off the TCU game at halftime and watched Kansas, Texas. Um, it was the most incredible, incredibly weird second half I've ever seen. Kansas was up 35 to 14 at the half. Texas came roaring back. Lance Leipold displayed a level of, of, of chutzpah. And bravery that I don't think, I mean, going forward on fourth down, trying to win the game, um, and to turn the ball over to Texas, and it wound up not mattering because Kansas won anyway. Um, I, I, Kansas fans were chanting SEC loud enough to where you could hear it, and this game was in Austin, and there was a coherent yeah. SEC chant going on in Daryl K. Royal Stadium, which was virtually empty by the time overtime started. One of the funniest things yeah, I've ever yeah. seen. Just, just excellent content um, all around. And I think what's even funnier about this is that uh, both Texas quarterbacks played and they both threw interceptions. Yeah. yeah. Um, Texas's offense, like there's so many reasons. Like if I gave you, again, blind box score here, you would say that Texas kicked their ass, yeah. right? Um, EPA, Texas, 0.366 to Kansas is 0.205. Success rate, Texas, 56%. Kansas, 43%. Can I just hop uh, in there real quick? field position. It, it's oh, yeah. still not good to give 43% success rate to Kansas. No, no, no. It's not yeah, ideal. yeah, yeah. Not ideal. Yeah. Um, starting field position, Texas 33. They're on 33. Kansas, they're on 29. Um, side note, Grant, why did I not... Um, why, why didn't I talk about uh, these stats for the TCU Oklahoma State game? Because there is no play-by-play data. I have no idea what the hell happened. It doesn't exist. Even the people that compile so that stuff are like... I meant to preface that. Even the people that compile the stats are like, I'm not watching this shit. I'm going to go watch yeah, Kansas, no, Texas. No, no, this no. is much funnier. Um, Texas had nine uh, quality possessions to Kansas's six. Texas gained 59.6 of available yards. Kansas gained 45.9. Um yeah, just everything about this suggests that Texas won this by two scores. And they threw four interceptions, and they didn't. And um, I don't know what you can say about this game other than uh, I think Sark is just going scorched earth on the locker room Yeah, and saying, if you're not with me, you're against me. I mean, Kansas rushed 66% of the time. Right? Yeah. They just lined up and man balls. Yes. Like, this is what they were doing at Buffalo to Mac teams. I know. <laughs> I know. And, and I'll, I'll say this. All of those interceptions were very bad. Like I, th- I think I saw two of them in the second oh, half, yeah. and they were not good, like obscenely bad throws. Uh, um, I will eat my hat if Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning is oh, not starting. Yeah, absolutely. Next year. Um, the player that caught the winning two point conversion for Kansas. By the way, that two point conversion play, as soon as uh, and I'm I I feel bad that I'm gonna miss the guy's name, the Kansas quarterback. Jalen Daniels is that it? Jalen yeah, Daniels. Yeah. Um, Jaden Jaden Daniels Jay is Daniels. at Arizona State. Jalen Daniels. Excuse me, my bad. Jaden Daniels. Although now that I say that out loud, I don't know. I can't. This I this remember. is a very well researched podcast. As soon as he started retreating in the backfield, I, I, I almost shut my laptop because I figured, okay, well, Texas has won. The player that caught the two point conversion had not taken an offensive snap before this game. Love it. Jalen Daniels for the record. Um Yes, yeah, but I mean, and only averaged six point seven yards per completion. Um, I, I how this game happened, I'll never know. But I'm so thankful that it existed. It's it's just it's it's yeah. A, I mean, just just a wonderful wonderful piece of history. And now TCU has to play them next week, which 
Oh, of course. And so hopefully the magic is, has rubbed off. Um, before we move around the best yes. rest of the Big 12, because this is so funny. Again, I just can't get over this box score, so I'm going to read all of these. Total EPA, Texas 27.5, Kansas 14.8. Rushing EPA per, like EPA per rush, Texas 0.306, Kansas 0. 0.9, uh, or 0.09, excuse me. Kansas passing EPA 0.358. That's more than a third of a point every time that Kansas threw the ball, which is hilarious. But Texas's offense added 0.404. Everything about this game, Texas should have won, and they just totally blew it because their quarterbacks threw interceptions. It's so funny to me. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Also, I love uh, one last thing. I'm not a doctor. I don't want to speculate and has been released. It looked like Bijan hurt his arm pretty bad, and that sucks. Bijan's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Not not a fan of not a fan of no. that. Uh, he, he's yeah. I'm, this podcast supports Bijan Robinson, and uh, that, that that was hideous. Um, Parker, a game that occurred while I was in the movie theaters watching Dune, which was an uh, interesting movie. Um, Baylor twenty seven, Oklahoma fourteen. Uh, sure, I, I, sure. Yeah, I have. Yeah, two insights on this. One, uh. Caleb Williams is not ready to no, be on the field. No, no, he's not. He just missed open throws, just wasn't making reads. Like, and that's that's armchair quarterback stuff. But I was like, dude, that and I mean, how bad does Lincoln Riley hate Spencer Rattler? <laughs> that he has to that he's rolling with Caleb Williams right I now. I mean, like, Rattler did he just absolutely has to hate him. Rattler didn't look great to start the year. Um Yeah, I think that might have just been two misses. Uh, and, and the jury's still out yeah. on Williams, he's still a freshman, but um, he's just too young. Just, yeah, yeah. Just not ready to start. Um, um, it's very, Baylor started at their own 32.8 yard line. Oklahoma started at their own 23.2 third down conversions. Baylor 43.5 Oklahoma 23.1. It is very funny that TCU somehow beat Baylor and essentially knocked them out of national title comp. Like the conversation. Oh dude, it freaking rules. Yeah. Like, a, oh, a, it's like the stupidest TCU win I'm trying to think what the, the dumbest one was before that, but the stupidest TC win in a long time. Well, the stupidest win since the Baylor fans wore hashtag CAB well, stuff and TC, they were undefeated and TC went in, they were ranked and TC went in and beat them 66 to 62, whatever. 62, 22. Is that 16? 62 to I think 20 or 22 or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it was 2016. Yeah. yeah. Um, by running the ball, if I remember correctly. Uh, they threw a pass at the beginning. Whatever. Yeah, it's fine. Well, it whatever. Um, other, else, okay, well, I mean, that game has a lot of national implications. Oklahoma's likely out of the national title conversation. Um, Bedlam might have real meaning. Uh, just, you know, if, if chaos happens to the Big Ten, whatever, um, or the SEC, so, you know, Alabama loses again, although to Auburn probably. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like the Big 12 is going to be featured in the playoff this year. Unless somehow Oklahoma State can beat Oklahoma back-to-back weekends, and that requires Oklahoma not dropping another game and Oklahoma State winning out, Um, I think that uh, they get left out. Yeah, because, I mean, logical scenario here is Big Ten winner. SEC winner. Alabama and Georgia. And then you've got Cincy, Oregon. Oregon's probably going to lose to Utah, so maybe that takes care of itself. But you've got Cincy, Oregon— um, a, a one loss. Well, I guess the the Big Ten winner is going to be um, Ohio State. 
Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State is going to be two loss, whoever that is. So they all they all have a loss. So that takes care of itself. But um, yeah, you just got. I mean, one, one loss, Wake Forest. Like I don't, I don't know. Wake. Yeah. We, don't, we don't have to talk about Wake Forest. Um, I'm just saying. There, yeah, there's no, all, Notre Dame is going to be one loss at the end of the season. They, it just gets crowded yeah, very quickly at the end, and I think the Big Twelve probably loses out yeah. there. So uh, elsewhere, Texas Tech 41, Iowa State 38, a 62 yard field goal to win the game for Texas Tech. I, I'm prone to hyperbole. I realize that. That's the greatest kick in college football I think I've ever seen. I, I agree. I unequivocally unequivocally agree. I think I learned a couple things from this game, and I just uh, want to give you some facts. Um, well, just one fact and then some questions. My first fact about this game. Through 10 games in 2021, Texas Tech and Iowa State have the same record. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Um, also, uh, here's a question. If Iowa state has a five-star culture, does Texas tech now also have a five-star culture? I'm trying to think how that conversion rate works. The aims to love it conversion rate. The markets are a mess right now. I don't okay, know, it, but um, Iowa state and Texas tech have the same record. One of those teams fired their head coach midway through the season. The other team's coach might get the TCU job. One of those teams coach one of those teams was expecting to go five and seven and fired their coach in a season when they're gonna go six and six. The other was expecting to be in the playoff in a game where they still might have a loss right. on schedule. It Amazing. It's it's incredible. Uh the other game in conference, Kansas State thirty four, West Virginia seventeen. Uh colleague of mine at old, at old diehards, David Statman, noted West Virginia Mountaineer. Uh all his re- report was that this game sucked. So that's all I got for you. Yeah, yeah. There was some there was some issues um, all around. Um, f- over fifty percent conversion rate on third down for both teams, which I think is um, no. Yeah, they only scored seventeen uh, points. Kansas State. Yikes. Yeah, that's not that's not ideal. Um, Kansas State, and, and it was close there for a second, um, and then and then the Wildcats pulled away. Interestingly enough, Kansas State they they got off to a, a rough start, and then they were without Thompson, and they lost a couple games. Mm-hmm. They could they could get nine wins, man. They they have yeah. Baylor and then they have Texas. Those are both winnable. I don't think they're going to win those per se, but those are both winnable. You're hosting Baylor and then you go to Texas, and I think that Texas on Thanksgiving, buddy, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone's going to go to that game. Can I, I? There's, I don't have any inside info. I I don't. I think there's a greater than zero chance Sark doesn't coach a second season. Yeah, but but we're talking like point zero 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 one. I, uh, I might put it at two percent. I, I I don't think that there are coaching candidates that are like, oh well, okay, we'll just hire this guy. Um, like there have been in the past, but uh, I, I think there's a possibility. yeah. There's no obvious successor. Yeah. They're gonna fire. They're gonna fire PK. They're gonna fire the defensive coordinator. Which I called before the beginning of the year that I was not a fan of PK. I want to point that out. That yeah, yeah. That's, no, that's, take the that's lap the one thing I've gotten right. That. Um, uh, any national games you want to talk about? No, I'm writing it, but you can read my column okay. tomorrow. <laughs> uh, that's what we call a plug, folks. Uh, Parker, do- well, and there's there's seven. What we're, what time are we at? We're at we're, yeah, yeah, know, we're, we're fine. We're 38, fine. Thirty eight, something like that. Um, so. Okay, well, let's do uh, let's do two things. We are going to power rank Big Twelve team. And then we're going to address some listener uh, submissions. 
Um, so cool. let me pull up. Okay. I, I had to pull up the list of Big 12 teams if I don't know them. Um, yeah, I can't remember all of them. Okay, we're going to go worst to first. Parker, who is your number 10? Kansas. Yeah, agreed. They are 127th in EPA uh, margin. Well, that's not that's good. That's really bad. Um, who's your number nine? West Virginia. Okay, mine is TCU. So, I was going to put TCU at number okay. eight. So I'm willing to split. I'm, I'm willing to split there. Just, just absolutely dysfunctional. I think West Virginia would beat TCU again this weekend. Yeah. So maybe that's fair to put TCU there. I just think West Virginia. Maybe I'm still idealizing TCU and saying like, if TCU was healthy and things had gone right, but you're right. They're, they're a mess yeah. right now. I wouldn't pick them against anyone. No. Um, they, they, Grant, they opened 20, they opened minus 23 against Kansas. I, TCU can't score 23. I, I have a mortgage that I would like to pay off. Um, <laughs> I, and I, and I, okay, so I have West Virginia at eight. So fair. Um, West Virginia. Yeah. Eight, yes. Number seven. You're going to say it, aren't you? Texas. Yeah, I was gonna say Texas Tech, but sure. I think I think I would go seven Texas, six Texas Tech. I'm open to those there. being flipped. Yeah. Um, but man, neither team. I mean, the 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 issue is that Tech is bad and erratic. Yeah. Whereas Texas is like amazingly talented and just doesn't care. Yeah. It's just complete locker room disarray. Tech Tech, I think, can bite you. I'm not sure Texas can. No, I think if TCU and Texas played again this weekend. Yeah. It would be like a three to nothing yeah. game. I, I still have Tech worse, but but I, I do think they have a higher like. They're more likely to win a game that they shouldn't. Let's say. Um, yeah. Okay, so number five, uh, I have Iowa State. Yes, and I hate that they're in the top half of the conference, but it's just like a also the conference. There's no one else. Kind of sucks. So. Uh, the conference absolutely yeah. sucks. Yeah. For uh, Kansas State. I think I'm going to regret this coming this weekend. I actually think Baylor's fourth, man. Okay. Kansas State. Kansas State gets. Um, Kansas State lost with Skylar Thompson hurt and some defensive guys limited early on. They lost three games in a row there. I, I really think that they have got it together and are good. We're gonna. The the thing is, we're gonna learn this this weekend yeah. whether Kansas State is yeah. the fourth or third best team. Fair enough. I, I'm putting Baylor at at, at fourth. Um. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Uh, th- but no one's good. No one's I mean, the good. margins, especially yeah, up no here, the toppers. So um, third, I have uh, I have Oklahoma. Interesting. Okay. So y- so I would put Oklahoma at two. I would still okay. put them above Baylor. They just awful game. A little bit of struggle there. But like again, if Baylor and Oklahoma play ten times, Oklahoma is going to win more than more than five. I, the number. I'm sure the numbers say that. I am not sold. Um, I have Baylor two. Kind of Oklahoma State one. Yeah, obviously Oklahoma yeah. State one, and then I think I think two through four are, are dealer's yeah. choice. Honestly, think about how annoying this Bedlam loss is going to be for Oklahoma State. I need to think about tiebreaker scenarios. Oh, I can. But send Oklahoma you, State beat Baylor. I can send you a whole list. My so, hold on, uh, X diehards again. Nathan Ruiz, who um, covered the Baltimore Orioles last year, sent in like a whole grid. I can send it to you. It's it's wild. Um, and I, because my question is, I, I don't know what at what point the weird tiebreakers kick in. If so, let's say Oklahoma wins this weekend. Okay. Baylor wins this weekend. 
Oklahoma State wins this weekend. Okay. So then Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are one loss each. Mm -hmm. If Oklahoma wins, they go to the Big 12 championship and they play Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State has two losses. They're tied with Baylor. Baylor has the head or Oklahoma State has the head to head. I think you're right. If Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, Oklahoma State plays Baylor in the Big 12 championship. I think you're right because Oklahoma won that head to head. Yeah. I wonder what Gundy does. Yeah. I wonder what he thinks is his best chance in the Big 12 championship in Bedlam. I don't think he's going to throw the game, but we'll see. Um, I got a guy, man. He's connected to some boxing matches. He knows. I don't mean that. I just mean, I just wonder how they're going to, what they're going to try and do. Sure. How much will they show too, especially? Um, Yeah. Oh, Patrick Mahomes made a big play. My phone tells me. Um, Big fantasy football match. Do you also have a vested interest in the Chiefs' success tonight? I haven't looked. I have a vested interest in Patrick Mahomes scoring as many fantasy points as he possibly can. Um, Oh, oh, no, no. I'm in Colorado, so I've been doing a little. I've been doing doing a little. little, uh, Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to some. uh, Do we have listener questions? We do. I'm I'm, I'm getting pulling them up right now. Okay. So uh, going in order, as my laptop refuses to cooperate, this is from Clay Hale 7. Parker asked for takes, so some of these aren't even questions. They're just takes, and we will address them. 2021 Oklahoma State is better than 2011 Oklahoma State because of the defense, even though they probably dirked their way out of playing for a natty at the same place as before. I can't— Give me those numbers 2021 again. Wait, Oklahoma, what is that? 2021 Oklahoma State, better than 2011 Oklahoma State, which was the year they uh, Iowa State kicked a field goal to beat them, and they got left out of the national championship game. Dude, that was 10 years ago. We're dangerously close to, like— Who's better, Barry Bonds or Babe Ruth? I know, Ruth? I'm very old. We're like, obviously Barry Bonds is. We've got to talk about I don't know. I, I, so that I, that I don't 2011 know. Oklahoma State team was really freaking good. And relative to the rest of the nation in 2011, they too, were better. I think they were probably yeah. better than everyone else. Whereas this year, I'm not. I mean, 2011, Oklahoma State probably could have competed in the yeah, national championship they, they were game. third in the rankings. I, I yeah. think this year's Oklahoma State team would lose to Georgia pretty yeah. handily because their offense is real bad. Yeah, I, I, I respect the take. Um, but I disagree. <clears throat> um, from g- fantastic username, guitars, Cadillacs, etc. Shout out Dwight Yoakam at JR Wanamaker. Number one, Texas downgraded significantly, significantly going from Herman to Sark. And number two, TCU is a multi-year rebuild, even with a good hire. I disagree with both of those. Really? Vehemently. Um, one, again, what do we say about Tyler Herman? It's not as much about his coaching as the fact that he is just a dick. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's well, one, I don't necessarily think Sark is, has the locker room either. Well, but this isn't Sark's locker room. Okay. Well, he's not going to get three years to get a locker room. Sorry. I don't mean to be argumentative. No. I'm just, we're just, no, yeah. no. um, I, I think that I would rather have Steve Sarkeesian over Tom Herman 10 times out of 10. Okay. So I, I think we talked about a year zero for TCU. I, I don't think the next coach is going to come in and win nine games next year. And I'm fine uh, with that. At TCU? Yeah. No, but that's where we're talking. I mean, we kind of addressed that with early signing day, right? Yeah. It's like, is this going to be, it depends on when they announce. And then we can talk about, but no, that absolutely shouldn't be the case because transfer portal and because you're third in the conference in recruiting the last like five years, there's talent on this roster. You can bring guys in. Um, you can, you can bring in uh, a quarterback that you want. You can bring in an offensive lineman. <laughs> You can run a scheme that 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 matches this. You can shore up some depth at key places. You can 
as we've talked about before, you can revamp your strength and conditioning program so all of your players aren't hurt in August. I, I think that TCU is worst case uh, bowl game in year three. And that means that you're like the third year of a coach, but that means that the first year is year zero. TCU should be back in a bowl game in two years. Absolutely. Which is multi-year, a multi-year rebuild. Thank you. Um, okay. We can rip through the Well, <laughs> multi-year, it's like one year you're hired this year. I know, you're I, know, I know, Get out of here. Whatever. Okay. Uh, we can read through the next three really quickly from Wildcat Photo at KSU Wildcat. ISU has the most experience and depth in the Big 12 when they're 6-4. and four. Coach, players, or culture? My vote is yes. I don't understand. They have a five-star culture. I mean... It's players. It's players. It's, it's players. It's not like their scheme is necessarily awful, but they also... I mean, the special team stuff, are you just going to blame no, players for the fact that they don't yeah. have a special teams coach and don't play that? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's on Campbell, and they have lost games because of special teams. Yeah. So, both. Both. Uh, Nathan Carroll at Nathan26. Baylor's not very good. Oklahoma, also not very good. No one's good. Arkansas is the best Big 12 team. Correct. I think Baylor's good. I just don't think they're, like, amazing. The problem with Baylor is not, like, that they're talented. The problem with Baylor is friggin' morons on Baylor Twitter are, like, they're the best ever. Well, like, they're a playoff team. They're, you know— Gary Bohannon's the best quarterback in all this stuff. Like, uh, <laughs> e- even even people are like uh, national people for the season are like Baylor's Baylor has the best offensive line in in the nation. It's like no, they don't. Like they're great and they're going in the right direction, but like there's some serious flaws with this team. They're probably a top twenty five, top thirty team. They're not a top fifteen team. I disagree with that, but that's um, fine. But that's because Oklahoma also not very good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm with that. Like the Big Twelve on aggregate is very right. bad, which is where we'll end with <laughs> at Perk Nowitzki. Uh, <laughs> Dion, the TCU isn't a terrible idea, and Oklahoma State is the only good team in the conference this year. Disagree, and then agree. I think I think they tried to shoehorn some some nonsense, some serious stuff onto the back end of nonsense to try and make the sure. nonsense sound more valid. Yeah. Um, I I just don't I I just like we've okay. Here's what I'm asking, and then we'll get out of yeah. here. If if you have a serious case for Dion Sanders that does not involve the money that he has brought to HBCU colleges for being an HBCU, please, if you can say Deion Sanders, here's what he would do at a non-HBCU, please, please talk to me on Twitter because I think so many people are just missing that. It's blatant Cruton, and that's all they care about. Um, well, but you, I, no, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Don't, don't throw anything. Barker, do you have anything else to say before we go? No, I, uh, I don't. Um, <sighs> Don't cry because Oklahoma State uh, happened. Laugh because Baylor did. (laughs) And Kansas beat Texas. This has been the Purple Theory Podcast. My (laughs) name is Grant McGalliard. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Grant McGalliard. It's spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. He is Parker Fleming. You can find him on Twitter at Stats of War. Uh, We only say this on Wednesday, but I think you have two shows, Parker. When is the Bet U.S. show live and when can you watch it? Bet U.S. show, you can find it. I'll tweet out a link to it. It's uh, Thursday at 4 p.m. Central and... No, Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central and Thursday at um, 11 a.m. Central. And it's live on YouTube. And then there's a podcast as well, Bet US Football. Um, the blue ones are the NFL. Don't listen to that one. I mean, do. I don't care. But the red ones are the college football ones. That, that'll be me. Perfect. Uh, we will see you on Wednesday for a preview of the Kansas Jayhawks who are riding a one-game winning streak. Parker, go Frogs. Go Frogs.